start today with an incredible development. Donald Trump, the failed former president, wannabe future president, has been disqualified, kicked off of a second state's primary ballot for his role in citing an insurrection in violation of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. It is now Maine, even as we now have a stay of the decision from Colorado. It is now Maine that has said he is out. And as significant and important as this news is, it also will play no direct role in determining who becomes president because number one, this is for the primary and number two, Republicans don't count on the state of Maine to become presidents of the United States. But this could be only the beginning. Let's discuss what took place. Washington Post, Donald Trump removed from Maine primary ballot by secretary of state. Maine barred Donald Trump from the primary ballot Thursday yesterday, becoming the second state to block the former president from running again because of his actions before and during the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. The decision was made by the Maine secretary of state, Shenna Bellows, a Democrat. Oh, no, uh, sure to be appealed. Republicans saying this is autocracy. This is fascism. By the way, they say nothing about Trump saying I will be a dictator, but this is fascism. It cannot stand the Colorado Supreme Court last week. The article goes on, found Trump could not appear on the ballot in that state under a part of the U.S. Constitution that prevents insurrectionists from holding office. Colorado Republican Party asked the Supreme Court to review the case, which could resolve for all states whether Trump can run again. Importantly, both states have temporarily put their decisions on hold so Trump can pursue appeals. Last element from this is that there are a couple of other states in which we are following this. As you see here, Maine and Colorado have banned Trump from the ballot pending appeal. Oregon has a case pending and Minnesota and Michigan. Remember, in Michigan, there were massive dumps in the middle of the night of ballots, by the way, is what Trump wants to say. Uh, there were challenges that failed and Trump will remain on the ballot there. So a few different important things to talk about here. First and foremost, is this the best way to defeat Trump? Of course not. But this is sort of like when people say, well, should there be a prosecution of Trump or not based on how it will look? And the question is, what does the rule of law say? What does due process say? What do words mean? And here, if indeed Trump violated that third section of the 14th Amendment, then it really isn't up to us to say what's the political calculation. It's let's match up the actions and the facts to what the Constitution says. Republicans should be the first people to say, and we on the left should agree. It is not for us to pick and choose when to apply the Constitution. If these right wingers really see the Constitution as a pseudo sacred text at, at, at whose altar they pray, uh, then it's not well in this. The, the question is, did what Trump did violate that third section? And an honest analysis to me says that it did. The second aspect of this that follows is that they like to say this isn't due process. Trump hasn't been found guilty of this in a court of law. That doesn't actually matter. And what I mean is 
Not that it doesn't matter to me. What I mean is that that third section does not require that the individual who insurrected um, be found criminally liable. And, and it's not about giving or denying due process to anyone. It's simply that this is a matter uh, outside of that. If you did the thing it says, then you can't hold office. Colorado has made a decision as to what that means. Maine has made a decision as to what that means. And then that gets us to the third question, which is that in order to become the president of the United States, you need 270 electoral votes. What we are talking about here is Trump not being on two primary ballots, two primary ballots. And so mathematically speaking, not being on the ballot in Michigan and color in Maine and Colorado won't prevent Trump from being the nominee. And secondly, if we imagine that Trump is the nominee, but we get to November of 2024, which is now like 10 months away, if you can believe it, we get there and Trump's not allowed on the ballot in Maine and Colorado. That also will not deny Trump the 270 electoral votes because his path to 270 goes through states like Florida and Pennsylvania and Georgia, Arizona, et cetera, Colorado, Oregon, Maine. These are not factors. The last thought I have on this and, and it's where we can leave it for today. And then in the new year, we'll discuss where these decisions go. If Section three of the 14th Amendment wasn't meant to apply to Trump's actions on January 6th, then we have to ask who was it meant for? Now, Republicans have their answer to that. They say it, it was uh, uh, meant in the Civil uh, War context to prevent certain uh, Confederates from ultimately holding office. OK, they are the ones who tell us we don't go back and think about context with the Constitution. It's what does it say and what Section three of the 14th says it's it's active in 2023. And thus it's not do we choose to apply it to Trump? We must apply it to Trump. And if it doesn't apply to Trump, it probably doesn't apply to anyone which would be crazy. So that's where I believe it makes sense to leave it now. I would rather just defeat the guy. And if Republicans were sane, they wouldn't even make him their nominee. They're not sane. And this is where we find ourselves today. I have stopped watching cable news and uh, I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you what happened yesterday on an airplane that reinforced my conviction that this is the right decision. And I believe you should stop watching cable news as well. And I'm going to tell you why. Uh, yesterday I was in I was in Florida and Florida over the last week, different parts, uh, as, you, as you know, of, the, of that state. And on my way home, uh, I was uh, mostly trying to keep my daughter calm, which didn't go well, didn't go well. But I was also observing the televisions of people sit seated in front of me. And so I could see into the seat in front of me and there was a woman watching Fox News the entire flight. And then one row ahead on the left side, there was someone watching CNN. And then in front of there, there was someone watching MSNBC. And what I saw, I wasn't hearing any of it, but I, I was seeing the chirons and the headlines and the stories reinforced that it is a waste of time to watch cable news. So first, let me just give you some of the headlines I saw on Fox News. Forty percent of California revenue coming from top earners. Big scare story. Oh, my God, California. Look at what they're doing. Um, the reality is that by top earners, they mean the top one percent. And it's not 
particularly unique that in California, 40 percent of the tax dollars come from the top one percent. California has a ton of super rich people and California has a progressive tax rate and it's quite high. I believe it's 13 percent for the top earners. And so it makes sense that in a state filled with super wealthy people and a 13 percent top tax rate, you would get a disproportionate share of your tax revenue from the richest one percent. That's the way the system is designed. And while it might not be exactly 40 percent, if you look at other states, you will find that numbers are very similar. So just a meaningless story, scare story on Fox News, 40 percent of California revenue from the top earners. Yep, pretty normal. Second headline I saw on Fox News over this other passenger's shoulder, electric vehicle sales slowing red alert. This is a scare story about how crappy electric vehicles are and about how nobody wants them. Now, the problem with this story is vehicle sales are slowing. Non electric vehicle sales are slowing and electric vehicle sales are slowing. It's not really particularly concerning for electric vehicles because new vehicle purchases demand is slowing overall. They didn't tell you that on Fox News. Third headline I saw yesterday electric vehicle depreciation higher than gas powered vehicles. There's a really good explanation as to why that is. EV technology is advancing so quickly that it is rapidly making older electric vehicles obsolete. You buy a car two years ago with a 200 mile range. And at the time, that's maybe middle upper range for electric vehicles. Now, with so many electric vehicles over 300 mile range, over 350, some are over 400. I think next year, some are coming over 500. Of course, that is going to push down the value of the electric vehicle with a 200 mile range. This is because the technology is advancing so quickly. Now, it's a real issue. And this is why I've made the decision that for the time being, I'm going to lease electric vehicles rather than buy. And I'm glad I did because uh, uh, the v uh, value of my Tesla has declined dramatically since I leased it. And were I to be the owner, I would be very unhappy. So I'm just going to give it back when the lease is up and that's it. But this is not a sign of trouble. This is a sign of how rapidly EV technology is advancing. And then fourth headline I saw on Fox News, stocks stay strong despite rate hike. Now, you might be wondering what rate hike. It's been a while since there's been a rate hike. That's exactly right. It's there's it's been a while since the last hike. We've heard from the Fed. The hikes are done for now. We're expecting two, three or four rate reductions in 2024. But Fox is still scaring people and blaming Biden's Fed and saying somehow stocks are still strong. So it is a waste of time to consume this 24 hour cable news stuff. And I don't care if it's Fox News or the others. Here's my view on this. I use clip services and people I follow who will kind of put together what are the most notable elements from cable news for analysis on this show, because I want to know generally what is going on, what's the conversation happening on cable news, and I want to understand how it impacts the political discourse because I do this show. The reality is that you aren't going to miss major stories if you aren't regularly consuming cable news, cable news is designed because it's 24 hours a day to just 
keep generating content, whether the content is newsworthy or not. And when there's less news newsworthy content, they might recycle four hours of news over a 24 hour period. I believe that we need to be super conscientious and deliberate about media consumption. And I have stopped consuming cable news altogether. The way I consume media is I determine what do I want to watch or listen to and when do I want to do it? I have eight or ten podcasts that I more or less keep up with and I go to the gym three or four times a week. That's when I listen to them. I try to go for a hike once or twice a week. That's when I listen to them. And sometimes when driving around doing errands, that's it. And the whole the way people get sucked in. And I know that there are people who, are, who watch cable news all day. The way people get sucked in is absent something else to do. It's like, I guess I'll turn it on. Let's see if there's anything. And lo and behold, they have 24 hours to fill. So, of course, there is. You're not going to miss major stories by not consuming cable news. And my suggestion and I know that, you, David, you do a news show. You're telling people not to consume news. What I'm saying is pick some podcasts specifically, pick some shows, even if you like specific shows from cable news. Maybe you catch up with the highlights at a certain time or maybe you watch one particular show. The random I guess I'll just turn it on and kind of see what there is thing is exactly what it's designed for. And I think it's a useless time sink. That's my view at my own peril. That's what I say to folks. Let me know your thoughts. We're going to take a quick break. The last show of the year, right? I think tomorrow weekend and then we're off on the first. Yeah, the last show of the year is today. So glad you're with us. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you NerdWallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favorite podcast app future you will thank you. One of our sponsors today is Manscaped. They make excellent products. You've got the lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. This is Manscaped's fifth generation body trimmer and groin trimmer. You've got two next gen blade heads, your standard trimmer blade for taking off a little bit of hair, the foil blade for taking off a bunch of hair. All of Manscaped's devices are waterproof and perfect for the shower. You'll also want to pick up Manscaped's Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion and Crop Preserver Anti-Chafe Deodorant. Whether you're shopping for yourself, maybe there's a guy in your life, Manscaped offers the perfect bundle with everything. The Performance Package 5.0 Ultra includes the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra Groin Trimmer, the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Trimmer, Manscaped's Liquid Formulations, and two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 Premium Underwear with Moisture Wicking Technology, and the Shed 2.0 Toiletry Bag. I have all of this stuff at home. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code PACMAN at manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D dot com. 
Use code Pacman for 20% off and free shipping. The info is in the podcast notes. We are down to the final days, really the, the final hours of 2023. And I invite you to get yourself a membership for the show at joinpacman.com. 2024 will depend in great part upon the left doing something that the right does really well. I hate to say it. The right supports their content creators. They dump tons of money so that they can get their message out. And they're going after young people. They're going after uh, suburban women. They're going after minority voters. They're going after everybody. They're just pouring money in. And we on the left really need to support content creators as well. Even if it's not me, that's fine. Okay. Who, you like someone else more than me? You like someone else's hair better? You want to support someone who wears a different color shirt? Great. Uh, but uh, support whoever you believe is doing good work. If you think it's this show, I would love for you to get a membership at joinpacman.com. You can still, through the end of the year, use the coupon code 2 million. That's the number two and the word million, no space, uh, to save about two thirds off of the cost of a membership at joinpacman.com. The new website, it's really launching soon. I know it's, it, we thought it would happen faster, it's happening soon. When the new website launches, prices are going up for the first time in a decade, but you can lock in the lower prices for as long as you want at joinpacman.com. Nikki Haley, having failed to answer the simplest question, what was the cause of the Civil War correctly, is now going with the old Sarah Palin routine. There are Democrat plants at my events asking me questions. Remember when Sarah Palin said that? What newspapers do you read is a gotcha question. That was quite a day. That was, and remember, Palin is the predecessor to modern MAGA insanity. Um, Nikki Haley is now going this route. Uh, Nikki Haley blames Democrat plant for Civil War slavery fiasco. This is from the Daily Beast. The Republican presidential candidate claims her political opponents used a stooge to ask an extremely simple question. We'll link to this article. But the important part here is that uh, is this paragraph. Haley claimed that Democrats and the Biden campaign are planting questions at her events. Quote, Biden and the Democrats keep sending Democrat plants to do things like this to get the media to react. She told the New Hampshire Journal. We know when they're there. We know what they're doing. So I have to tell you, first of all, the idea that Joe Biden is wasting time sending people not even to his opponents events, but just one of the many Republican candidates vying for the nomination. It's such a stupid waste of time that it completely belies credulity. But more importantly, even if it's true that a Democrat said what was the cause of the Civil War, she still failed the test. She still. Oh, she would have answered it correctly if it was a genuine question from one of her supporters. But because it was a Democrat plant and they said, what was the cause of the Civil War? She failed. I want to remind you of what this what this looked like. Yes, yes sir. Thank you, Ambassador. Thank you. Please. Um, what was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think it's actually it's actually pretty easy. The cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run really? the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? When you get a really simple question, 
you give a bizarre word salad non answer and then ask the same question to the person asking you. You failed. You failed badly. And if you find yourself trapped by this question, like one of those, you know, like a bear trap or something like that, you really have no business running anything dealing with world leaders of any kind. Let me answer the question for you really simply. The Civil War was about slavery and specifically it was about whether states rights include the right to own other people and enslave them. OK, so I know that there's a big crowd that loves to say instead of about slavery, the Civil War was about states rights. Well, yeah, it was about states rights to continue owning slaves. And that's it. Um, remember Joe the plumber? Joe the plumber, the guy who wasn't really named Joe, I think his name was Samuel Wurzelbacher. He also wasn't a licensed plumber. Right? It's words. They have meaning until until Sam, the non plumber. He I guess you could say he really was a Republican plant. He tried to trap Barack Obama and uh, get him to say, oh, we should spread the wealth around or redistribute or whatever. And it didn't matter that he was a Republican plant. It didn't matter. Obama answered the question in a way that is logical and was in line with the political philosophy that he espoused. And Nikki Haley is relying on, well, it was a Democrat who asked me the question. OK, if if a Democrat says what's two plus two, you, you now get an excuse for not answering correctly because it was a Democrat plant. Now, let's be very honest with each other. We know Nikki Haley knows that the answer to the question, what was the Civil War about? She, she knows the answer is it was about slavery. This shows how terrified she is of MAGA and of other Republicans and what the Republican Party has become. That's what it is. And this was not a good 72 hours for Nikki Haley. Let's stick with her campaign because there's a few other things that I want to discuss with you. Nikki Haley in the middle of the Civil War fiasco. What's it about? Well, it's about government and how government functions. She was given, I guess, an opportunity to just give a clear answer on something at the following town hall from the one at which she couldn't answer what was the Civil War about. And she was given the opportunity to say, I would not accept being Donald Trump's vice president. OK, super simple question. And she fails again. All she can do is say, well, I'm not running for vice president. Nikki, I hate to tell you that sounds like a yes. Is it a chance to redeem yourself after last night's slavery thing? Um, would you be able to say categorically that you will not accept being Trump's vice president. I could say to you what you want to hear. And you how about the truth? Forget about what you want to hear. How about the truth? You could go check that box and go do whatever. But I'm going to continue to tell you my truth yeah. and the truth that I have always. By the way, isn't my truth the sort of leftist Marxist postmodernism that Republicans now decry? I don't know. And the truth that I have always told the truth, even when I was in the administration. Right. President Trump. Even when I worked for Trump, where obviously you should have assumed I was lying constantly, even then I would tell the truth, supposedly. Trump and I worked well together. Why? Because I told him the truth. Now, if mm. you want to talk about vice president, I will tell you this now. I've said it before. I don't play for second. I've never played for second. I'm not going to start now. 
There you go. So it sounds like she would absolutely be Donald Trump's vice president if he asked her to be her vice president. And uh, to, to be perfectly frank, uh, six months ago, I would have put the chances of Nikki Haley being Trump's VP very low, very, very low. At this point, it's sounding a lot more plausible, particularly when at this point Nikki Haley represents the greatest threat to Trump. DeSantis is down. Nikki Haley is up. They're basically tied right now. Trump and DeSantis don't like each other. Trump has been insulting Nikki Haley, but he insults everybody <laughs> for the most part. Uh, I'm hearing that Nikki would absolutely be Trump's VP. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. We said at the beginning to a great degree, not for Chris Christie, but for these other candidates to a great degree, the Republican primary is a race to be Trump's VP. Who is able to thread the needle where you don't insult Trump too badly, but you still show yourself as strong so that when Trump beats you, he might choose to make you his vice presidential running mate. And in a sense, Nikki Haley may be that person. It's not De Sanctus. We know that. Um, so we will follow that. But Nikki Haley, just not a good, not a good uh, week for Nikki Haley. Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis are taking the opportunity to capitalize on Nikki Haley's recent gaffing over what was the cause of the Civil War? Slavery. No, she couldn't say it. She didn't say it. Chris Christie and Ron DeSantis now trying to pound Nikki Haley over that. Uh, let's look first at what Chris Christie had to say, and then we will look at DeSantis. And remember, this is this is the worst of gutter politics. Um, opportunistic Republicans just sniping at each other, attempting to undercut each other. They're mostly all going nowhere other than maybe Nikki Haley. As I've said before, if you said to me, David, who, who has a shot here other than Trump to be the nominee? It's Nikki Haley. If she can do really well in some early state and uh, maybe Trump, I don't know, has some kind of problem where he can't run. I think Nikki Haley would be the natural uh, replacement for Trump. So they're all going after her. Here's Chris Christie. You've got to tell the truth. And I'll make it easy for you. If someone asked me yeah. what the cause of the Civil War was, <laughs> it's easy. It's slavery. Right. So Chris Christie taking the opportunity there to go after Nikki Haley. Ron DeSanctimonious, like a wounded bird falling from the sky. Um, he called it a word salad, which is rich that the guy who is the author or the chef of many word salads was able to identify one. Here's DeSantis asked about the same thing. I noticed that um, uh, Nikki Haley has had some problems with, with some basic American history. Uh, she's asked a very simple question and responded with just a really incomprehensible word salad about <laughs> this and that. And you know, well, what did, what, she asked the voter, what do you want her to say about this or that? Um, and then now is taking different positions in this. And so I just think that this shows uh, this is not a candidate uh, that's ready for prime time. And she's gotten a pretty free ride from a lot of the corporate press. Uh, and remember, DeSantis's interest in this is that he's gone from 31 to 12, while Nikki Haley has gone from one to 11. So 
she is the greatest threat to Ron DeSantis that is currently running, other than obviously Trump, who's crushing all of these people. Uh, the minute that she faces any type of scrutiny, uh, she tends to cave. And I think that that's what you saw uh, yesterday. Not that difficult uh, to identify uh, and acknowledge uh, the role slavery played in, in the Civil War. And yet that seemed to be something that was really difficult. And I don't even know what she was saying. If you if you listen to that answer, uh, I know she's trying to clean it up. I know she's tried to blame a Democrat plant. Uh, look, I mean, you're going to get asked a lot of questions. I mean, you're going to get asked a lot of tough questions. That's just the nature of this business. Now, the funny thing is DeSantis also, you know, he, he even is sort of pussyfooting around it where he says, we all know the role that slavery played in the Civil War, where he now can sort of dance around that as well. But regardless of that, um, what I do find absolutely fascinating is that DeSantis has no moral high ground on race relations either. But here he is recognizing, OK, that was a mistake she made. Let's see how I can capitalize. Let's see what I can get out of it. At the end of the day, these are all people running for second place. And the if Trump were to die or end up in prison, I want to make sure that I am there. It looked obvious that Ron DeSantis was the heir apparent to that position um, when he was at 31. He's now at 12. He's failing badly. Nikki Haley, with everybody attacking her, is holding her own. This was a mistake. But if if it came down to DeSantis or Haley, I'm voting Haley. Let me be totally clear. But these are all disastrous candidates. The only sane guy here is Chris Christie and Republicans don't want him. He's polling two percent. So as we enter 2024, as we are now just what is it, two weeks? Or what, when is the uh, the first voting? I think it's in uh, what is it, January 13th or something like that. Um, we, we are there and the desperation is palpable. All of these candidates know the window, if it was ever open, is quickly closing and they're all sniping at each other. And to be totally honest, I do think that this is good for Joe Biden who continues to oversee, not necessarily be responsible for. Right. I mean, I'm being even handed. He's continuing to oversee a very solid economy. No matter your genetics or lifestyle choices as humans, we all share some basic foundational nutritional needs and properly replenishing your nutrients daily is important for gut health, stress management, immune system. And that's where our sponsor AG one comes in. AG one is a foundational nutrition supplement. It supports your body's universal needs with something that you can easily absorb and utilize. So instead of a multivitamin or fumbling around with 10 different vitamin bottles, I've just replaced all of it with one scoop of AG one. I get the vitamins, the minerals, the prebiotics, the probiotics, all the stuff I'm looking for. It's delicious. It goes great in a smoothie. You can drink it straight with water like I do in the morning before my famous cappuccino. I've been doing it for years. You're just covering your nutritional basis for the whole day. It's simple. You don't have to buy a bunch of different vitamins. My audience knows I don't advertise miracle solutions and cures, and there's no miracle cure or solution here. It's just a simple product that works that replaces the clumsiness and the cost of a ton of different vitamins. Go to drinkag1.com slash Pacman. You'll get five free travel packs of AG1 and a free year's supply of vitamin D, which, as I've said, I 
take in the winter when there's a lot less sun out that drink a is an atom G is in green. The number one dot com slash Pacman to get five free travel packs of AG one and a free year supply of vitamin D. The link is in the podcast notes. We're very quickly entering uh, what I guess we would call the denouement of Vivek Ramaswamy's presidential campaign. The buildup, I guess we would say, was when he came onto the scene and got a bunch of attention during the Republican debates by attacking a bunch of people. The climax may have been when he went full conspiracy about January 6th being an inside job. And then now we're beyond that. He's polling 4%. It's basically all been said and done. And the only thing left to do is for him to drop out. And so now he is suffering the final humiliations. He is canceling television ads, as our great guest hosts told you earlier this week, in advance of the first voting taking place in Iowa. And he's also showing up and doing pretty embarrassing Fox News interviews where he says things that are just kind of a little bit sad. Here he is being interviewed by Donald Trump's former press secretary, Kaylee Maganani. And uh, he says, listen, um, if Trump's the nominee, I would support him. And I expect that if I'm the nominee, he will support me, which is just so funny because Vivek says he's going to win Iowa, even though he's polling 4%, which is weird. Take a listen to this. President Trump, he reacted to the news that you were going to stop spending money on TV ads. He said this on Truth Social. He will, I am sure, endorse me, but Vivek is a good man and is not done yet. Is that something? I mean, I understand you don't have plan Bs. You said that. Is that something you would consider at the right moment should it come to that? So not a plan B well, guy. Actually have been clear, what about By the way, it's funny how saying you're not running for second place or I have no plan B is considered an acceptable way not to answer questions like when RFK Jr. was asked about stuff. He says, I have no plan B in terms of like, well, we'll if you don't get the nominee, if you don't get the Democratic nomination when that's what RFK was doing, will you support Biden? He's like, I don't have any plan B. This is I'm, this, this is what it is. And people go, oh, OK. It's just another rhetorical trick that is acceptable this year to not answer a question. But that's all it is. Vice President. <laughs> I've been clear. Look, if Trump is the nominee, he has my full support and backing all the way, just as I expect his if I'm the nominee. I actually think we're going to deliver a major surprise in Iowa. I'm talking to I wonder <laughs> I wonder what that surprise will be. Now, I do think it's important to remind people in general in the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. We currently have Ramaswamy polling four, and as low as one in some polls, like in the latest Rasmussen reports poll, Vivek is polling one. Chris Christie's polling nine in that one. So that's maybe a difficult to believe poll. Um, then there's the question of, well, is there something in particular that Vivek might be able to do in Iowa that he is not able to do um, nationally? And, and the answer is, I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. But this really shouldn't be, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Right. And there's this thing that sometimes happens where, where when people are running, everybody knows they can't win. Right. Like I know they can't win. You all know they can't win. I believe they also know they can't win. And there's certain things you're expected to say. Um, we're kind of past that point with a lot of the people that are left in this campaign. And really, the only people who have any business staying in this would be DeSantis and Haley. 
and, and it, this isn't really a matter of opinion. It's Vivek's at four. Chris Christie's at three point three. Somehow Hutchinson is still in the polling. And I guess I guess he hasn't dropped out. Or I thought he did. Who even knows? He's not even polling one. It's Trump. Sixty three. DeSantis and Haley each have eleven. Could Vivek do something completely unprecedented and unpredictable in Iowa that shocks everybody? I guess um, we have. Let's actually look at the Iowa numbers. If you look at Iowa right now, you have Trump 51, DeSantis 19, Haley 16 and Vivek six. When Vivek says we're going to do something unexpected, even if he were to double his support in Iowa and end up with 12 instead of six, it's not really materially changing the dynamics of the race in, in any way whatsoever. So I don't know what he's talking about. He's kind of suffering the final humiliation here and doing the I'm going to pretend it's not over kind of tour. Uh, I do expect him to drop out pretty damn soon by February 1st. I don't know, uh, but probably soon thereafter. Donald Trump has now been cornered by special prosecutor Jack Smith. And he absolutely exploded on Troth Central. He's cornered and he knows it and it is not looking good. Salon has a piece about this illegal. Trump explodes on Truth Social after Jack Smith corners him on January 6th conspiracy theory. Trump may be forced to give up key defense argument or be exposed to a perjury fest bloodbath. According to a legal expert, I want to talk quite a bit about this perjury idea. But first, let me tell you what it was that Donald Trump posted to Troth Central. Quote, crooked Joe Biden's errand boy, deranged Jack Smith, is obsessed with attacking your favorite president, me, and with interfering in the 2024 presidential election, which I am dominating. Deranged Jack is so. And by the way, there's random capital letters all over this thing. I'm going to ignore that because it's too it's too it's cloying to, to present it as written. Uh, deranged Jack is so viciously and desperately angry that the Supreme Court just unanimously rejected his flailing attempt to rush this witch hunt that he is ignoring the law and clear instructions from the D.C. court that this case should be stayed and there cannot be any more filings. If you're struggling to understand the way this is parsed, I'm with you. Today's pathetic motion is not just illegal. It is also another unconstitutional attempt to take away my First Amendment rights and to prevent me from saying the truth that all of these hoaxes are nothing but a political persecution of me, the MAGA movement and the Republican Party by crooked Joe and his despicable thugs. Now, I know you all know this. There's no evidence for any of these things. There is there's no evidence that the filing from Jack Smith is illegal. Imagine the filing just filing for something is illegal. What? There's no evidence that Joe Biden has any involvement in what is happening to Trump in so many different jurisdictions. There's, there's no evidence of any of it, but doesn't matter. Uh, Trump continues. The radical left communists, Marxists and fascists are petrified of me speaking the truth because the American people don't want them destroying our country. Make America great again. I did everything right and they indicted me. Exactly. The aspect of this that I want to talk about a little bit um, is the idea that Trump and others are increasingly pushing that they're trying to trap them with perjury, 
Trump has talked about this and people around Trump have talked about how a lot of a lot of these filings, a lot of this, he said, she said a lot of the well, I, we want to introduce this evidence and that and what the defense lawyers are going to be allowed to say. They often re resort to this idea that there's a perjury trap at play. I want to talk a little bit about that. Usually when the term perjury trap is used, it's a situation where what they're arguing is someone is trying to induce perjury. They're they're using a line of questioning to try to induce someone to lie, to intentionally lie under oath, to perjure themselves. And they're going to do it through the tactics that an attorney or an investigator uses in questioning, often in a legal setting. Usually it's an oxymoron and it's nonsense completely. And I'll tell you a couple of the reasons why there's a responsibility to be truthful, right? The fundamental premise of a perjury trap assumes that you can be tricked or forced into telling a lie. You have a responsibility to speak truthfully when you're under oath. It's a personal obligation to the individual. It's a legal obligation that it, it's what the law says you must do. You can't be forced to lie. You are choosing to lie. So the idea that you've been forced, trapped or induced to lie intentionally implies that there's no personal accountability there. Now, in order to go a little further with this, we have to understand the nature of legal questioning. What are we talking about when we talk about an examination or a deposition or legal questioning, whether it's in a court of law or in a deposition or in any kind of official setting? We talk about lying to the FBI uh, during uh, uh, an investig investigatory interview, for example. The, the legal point of all of those settings is to elicit truthful information or to expose that someone is lying. The concept of a perjury trap suggests questioning that is meant to make someone lie. It's contrary to the legal standards and the ethical standards of most judicial systems. Now, certainly if you as the examiner believe that there is a contradiction between one statement and another, then you can expose that through questions that are still designed to be answered truthfully. If there are two supposedly truthful answers that conflict, you have exposed that someone has lied. You've not proven perjury because remember, perjury has to do with state of mind and it has to do with intent. So the, the problem Giuliani has talked about this suborning perjury and others. The problem with the so-called they're trying to get Trump to perjure himself. It implies an external force that's responsible for your choice to lie under oath or not. And it contradicts the principles of personal accountability and legal ethics and what judicial proceedings are meant to do. It also, by the way, contradicts one of the favorite principles of the modern right wing, which is that of personal responsibility. They forced me to lie. But what, what are you talking about? They forced you to lie. Did they expose that your your new testimony is inconsistent with your previous testimony? Did you, was it made evident that you said contradictory things about the same set of facts? What is it exactly that you mean? But personal responsibility goes out the window, as these values often do. So with regard to this uh, uh, filing by Jack Smith being illegal, no legal. I'm not a lawyer. So what I tell you is what do I see legal experts saying? I found no serious legal expert that says the filing is illegal. We do have 
potentially, you know, two runaway trains speeding towards each other on the same track when it comes to what we expect Trump's behavior to be once the criminal trials start. I think it's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, let's take a break. If you're not subscribed on YouTube, maybe today is the day to do it. Last few days of 2023, we hit two million. Now we're shooting for two point five. Help us get a little bit closer. We'll take a break and then we will we will be back with legal advice from Tucker Carlson and so many other things. Using the Internet without a VPN can open you up to all sorts of issues. Hackers have more access to your data, including your finances. Without a VPN, your activity can be logged and monitored by your Internet service provider, by advertising companies, and then that data can be sold which means your personal browsing data is floating around out there. You should use a VPN that helps make you anonymous online. It encrypts your Internet activity. The VPN I've been using for years is private Internet access. Our sponsor, private Internet access, is the VPN that people trust because it's the only VPN that has proven multiple times in court that they do not log user activity. People also love private Internet access because it's fast. If you're streaming movies, downloading large files, it works great. You can use private Internet access on unlimited devices with just one account. They have a 30 day money back guarantee, 24 seven customer support. It's a service you can count on. Private Internet access is giving my audience a huge 83 percent discount. You can subscribe for two oh three per month and get four extra months for free. Go to piavpncom slash David. The link is in the podcast notes. As some of you may know, Tucker Carlson Uncensored is now part of the Tucker Carlson Network on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now called X. And Tucker has a warning for people. If you kill someone else, you might end up in prison. Isn't that incredibly insightful and valid? and important uh, uh, <laughs> advice that Tucker is giving people this is just getting to be beyond belief. And to be to be totally honest, Tucker has been doing the conspiracy stuff for a while. But the degree to which his his new show, I guess it's called the show on X is now just overtly regurgitating widely debunked conspiracy theories. Millions may have died from the vaccine or whatever. It's stunning to me that anybody is watching this stuff, but I, I want to. This is under the umbrella of if they can do it to me, they can do it to you. And this is the latest example of it. Let me set it up. Donald Trump has been insisting since these criminal trials have been um, uh, since these indictments have come forward and the criminal trials are pending. Trump has been using this line when they indicted me, they really indicted you. Or, you know, if they can do it to a former president, they can do it to anybody. And our response, of course, has been. We already knew they can do it to anybody. The question was, could they hold you accountable? Could they hold a former president accountable? We know that when it comes to random people, the people that donate to Trump, go to his rallies, vote for the guy, me, you, everybody else other than the elites. We've known for a long time that they can do it to us. We can get indicted. The full force of the justice system can, can come down on us. What we didn't know was could could they do it to a former president? Could they hold a former president accountable? Tucker Carlson is now applying this to Derek Chauvin, and he is saying, listen, Derek Chauvin, the police officer serving 21 years in prison uh, for the murder of George Floyd, um, he what they did, he didn't really do it. And if they can do it to him, they can do it to you. 
But really, the message is if you kill someone, you might go to prison, which it's sort of like, yeah, we know, Tucker, we know that. The question was, would a police officer be held accountable? Take a listen to this. One of the great moral atrocities in the last several years is taking place right before us and very few are remarking upon it. And it has to do with Derek Chauvin. He's the Minneapolis cop who became famous Memorial Day 2020 when George Floyd died. Chauvin is now serving 21 years in federal prison for murder, for killing George Floyd. Right. The problem is he did not murder George Floyd. And we really? know that conclusively because the medical examiner who performed the autopsy on George Floyd confirmed he was not asphyxiated. He was not choked to death. He most likely died of a drug OD. He had fatal levels of fentanyl in his system. And that's been known for some time, though, again, ignored. OK, now that is not true. This may shock you. But Tucker Carlson is lying to you, and it's a lie that has been repeated many times to serve a particular group of people that want to believe that the claim that George Floyd was not asphyxiated and likely died of a drug overdose is not supported by the official autopsy report or the findings of the medical examiner. Tucker and others have repeated that lie. It is a lie. The Hennepin County Medical Examiner's office, uh, uh, their official report determined that George Floyd's cause of death was cardiopulmonary arrest due to police action, including neck restraint. It is true that Floyd had fentanyl in his system. Good for Tucker for pronouncing it correctly instead of fentanyl. Floyd did have fentanyl in his system. Experts during the trial stated it did not contribute to his death. The medical examiner, Dr. Andrew Baker, clarified that Floyd's use of fentanyl and his heart disease did not cause did not cause the neck restraint, which was the primary factor in his death. The autopsy report and the medical examiner's conclusions have not changed since their initial releases. But Tucker continues to lie about it. And what Tucker is essentially saying here is when you kill someone, it might lead to a murder conviction which could put you in prison, which is useful information but information most of us already had. Ignored to the extent that, well, Derek Chauvin was convicted of murder and sent to prison. And then on November 24th of this year, right after Thanksgiving, Chauvin was stabbed 22 times by another inmate with an improvised knife. Now, the man who stabbed him is a known FBI informant. Derek Chauvin is now out of the hospital and back in Tucson. He is alive. He's still in prison. Gregory Erickson is his lawyer and joins us. All right. So. There's a couple things here that I I do think it's important not to mix. When we hear about police officers being stabbed in prison, when we hear about sex offenders being stabbed or sexually assaulted in prison, and there are people on the right and there are people on the left who say they're getting what they deserve, not so much with the police officers being stabbed, but with the with the sex offenders, rapists, sexual assaulters, pedophiles uh, uh, being attacked in prison. There's a, to me an uncomfortable level of satisfaction with that happening. If we are actually for law and order, due process and a society that makes sense, we must denounce any extrajudicial punishments that happen in prison. And I, I know I've, many of you have heard me say this before, but I'll say it again for those that have not. Anytime that happens, it's a failure of the prison system to keep people safe. And so if your instinct is to get some satisfaction that Chauvin is now the victim of violence in prison after he did violence on someone else, 
it's outside the scope of the punishment. You could say, well, the sentence Chauvin got isn't serious enough. We need to reform the criminal justice system. He should have gotten more time. Okay, that now we're talking about above board. Uh, if you want to say, well, the child rapist didn't get enough prison time. Prison sentence should have been stricter. Okay, we can examine that. We can determine what are the sentencing guidelines. Uh, but they deserve to also be raped in prison. That that's something that no uh, advocate of law and order or due process or a functional prison system uh, should should be in favor of. So with that, I'm totally with Tucker. It was an FBI informant who did it. Remember, they do this thing where they want to play games where an FBI informant that sounds sort of like an FBI agent, right? Is that kind of the same thing? No, they have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. But the big takeaway here, I mean, listen, if you needed to hear it, Tucker's telling you if you commit murder, you may end up in prison. That's one of the reasons that it never occurs to me to commit murder murder. There are many other reasons as well. Uh, if, if other people need more reasons not to kill other people, I'm, I'm glad to provide a longer list on another show. Hey, this is funny. Um, as as uh, Brittany Page told us when she filled in for me earlier this week, because it's like a vacation week, the B team or even the C team or the F team has been filling in a lot on Fox News and on other cable shows. And I have just a delightful word salad for you. This is not someone I'm familiar with. Her name is Dr. Jeanette Neshawat, and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's not the person you're seeing on the screen. This is Dr. Jeanette, and she's a proud, I guess, Christian because yet she has a big cross necklace and she has opinions for us and she spits out a bonkers word salad about Donald Trump, during which she gets just about everything wrong. The A team is bad enough on Fox News. The B team is not cutting it. Listen to that. I, I was laughing out loud preparing this one this morning. Listen to this. Because all of that other stuff is just a, a distraction right now. Voters miss the American dream. And the only hope to get that back to reality is President Trump by looking at those polls. And you just take a look. What has Donald Trump done? We've seen what he's done in his four years. Compare that to what President Biden has done. Under Trump, we had a thriving economy. We were energy independent. Okay. Thriving economy and energy independent. Job creation better under Biden. Um, GDP better under Biden. Unemployment lower under Biden stock market performance. I actually haven't looked at exactly year over year Biden versus Trump, but all time highs in the stock market. What what exactly is she talking about? But it gets even worse or better, depending on your view. We had some semblance of organization at the border. And, you know, look at the Abrahams Accord as well. The Abrahams Accord, the not the Abraham Accords. I would love Dr. Jeanette Nishawat to tell us what is the Abraham's Accord? Is it like a Honda Accord where Abraham was taught by Moses to drive stick shift? What is Abraham's Accord? I don't know, but it gets even better. So all these things that he did for us, our 401s were expanding. Our 401s were expanding. Now, I'm sure she means 401k. And again, all time high stock market under President Joe Biden. You could fill up your gas tank and go out for a movie on Friday night. You could go out for a movie on a Friday night, which now you can't. This sort of delusional, disconnected from reality retrospective on the Trump presidency 
is, of course, farcical, lest anyone be tricked into thinking it's anything but a farce. But the reason I bring it to you is we hear her talk about Abraham's Honda Accord and we hear her talk about the 401s and all of this stuff. There's a lot of people, a lot of people out there who are going to vote 10 months from now. If you can if you can imagine 11 months from now, 10, 11 months, um, they are going to vote on the basis that they believe the same thing Dr. Jeanette Nishawat is saying here. Things were great under Trump. Well, what things? I don't know. Inflation and uh, stocks, 401s and Abraham's uh, Abraham's Accord, Abraham's Santa Civic. You don't even want to know about, by the by the way, um, they're going to go out and vote in that way. And this is why I continue to say it is the economy, but it's people's belief and understanding about the economy it, because people are voting not just on how the economy is, but on what they believe the economy is actually doing in terms of its state. So I don't know what the Biden plan is for 2024, assuming the economy stays as strong as it is to communicate to people that that's the reality. But we shouldn't we should laugh, but we shouldn't only laugh when Dr. Jeanette Nishawat and other B and C stringers on Fox News say this stuff because there's millions, if not tens of millions of voters who believe the exact same thing. We have a voicemail number. That number is two one nine two David P. Very important PSA here. OK, here's a guy calling under the impression that I've been trying to get a hold of him during my vacation. I came back and was notified that we got dozens of emails and voicemails with very similar confusion. Listen to this and then I'm going to explain it. Well, you left a message saying that you wanted to talk to me. This is Kenny Cutrell. Uh, when do you want to talk? OK, listen, Kenny, you sound like a great guy. I'm not trying to get a hold of you. There are spammers. They are everywhere. We're trying to beat them back as best we can, but it's it's beyond the scope of our control. They are adopting profiles where they put my picture, my picture, and it might look like it's me. And usually they say something like, hey, I'd love to chat with you on WhatsApp. I'd love to chat with you on Telegram. Please text me. And at the end of it, right at, on the other side of the rainbow, there's a scam of some kind. They're going to ask you for money. They're going to ask you for gift cards. They're going to ask you for bitcoins or TikToks or who knows what they're going to ask you for. OK, I would love to chat with more people in the audience, but I'm not able to. I'm only able to do the live calls that we do on the Friday show, normally on the Friday show. And if you see someone that looks like it's me and they're saying, please, WhatsApp me, Telegram, whatever, it is all a spam report it and move on. I am not trying to text or talk to anyone and we'll keep doing these reminders. It's particularly bad right now. I don't know why. I don't know if it's the holiday season or what it is, but it is beyond the scope of my ability to talk individually with folks. And so uh, be aware it's all fake. It's all fake. We have such a great bonus show for you today. I've been in Florida for the last week, just got back last night. Producer Pat was recently in Florida and we will talk about my week. We will talk about some of the things I saw. We'll talk about DeSanctis land and so many other things. It is the final bonus show of the year. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Don't miss it. See you in 2024.